Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. With the Super Bowl in the books, I wanted to let you know about all of our coverage across the site. We have Kevin Clark, Robert Mays, Roger Sherman, and more breaking down every aspect of the game, including winners and losers, key plays from the game, and the halftime show performance. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube channel where Kevin Clark talked to Amari Cooper on Slow News Day, and Roger Sherman chatted with players from each team for their thoughts leading up to the game. Be sure to watch and subscribe to our channel on youtube.com slash The Ringer. Welcome to Heat Check. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined once again by my producer, who was out last week off his deathbed. He was very sick, but now so healthy, Isaac Lee. I have revived. I have uh, been rejuvenated. But yesterday's game, I feel like, has a... Once again, put me in my deathbed. You are an Angelino, and you have newfound Rams fandom, right? Yeah, I mean, they've been here for a few years now, so I feel like I can say that I'm an established Rams fan. I don't really care about football, though. This is amazing. This is the most LA take ever. They've been here for three years, so that's established fandom. Like... I love Los It's a transplant city, you know? It is a transplant city. I I will say this. I was rooting for your guys because the Patriots are a scourge upon a pox upon our country. Yes. And uh, they continue to be once again. And it was a garbage game and a garbage outcome. And I just want to remind everybody, now that you've got another year of the defending Super Bowl champion being the New England Patriots, how great it was when Philadelphia was the defending champions. And I bet America pines for the days of us commandeering trash trucks and punching police horses and being very excited. It wasn't that much better. It was much better. We're much more humble. Uh, Speaking of, while we're talking about the NFL, I want to give shouts to the Ringer NFL crew. Danny, Kevin, Robert, and Roger absolutely killed it from Atlanta. All their content is up on theringer.com. You want to listen to the NFL show as well. And I want to thank you for listening to the NBA show. Please rate and review us and all of our fantastic podcasts if you would be so inclined. And don't forget to check out all of our excellent content on the ringer.com. It's trade deadline week, gang. Woo! Big, big week in the NBA. We've got our trade deadline tracker. Chris and Justin had a rational conversation about one Kyrie Irving, who we'll talk about later on in the program. KOC and Shay did a joint piece where they drafted the 2019 All-Stars just like LeBron and Giannis will eventually. It's hilarious. I highly recommend that piece. KOC and I also did a whole bunch of trade deadline videos that we'll be rolling out all week long running up to Thursday's trade deadline. So you want to check that out on the site. And real quick, while we're talking about teamwork here, Mm. Miles Surrey and Andrew Gridadaro wrote a joint piece about Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. And maybe you guys know this. I'm not sure. Probably talked about it on Heat Check before. I am a massive Fast and Furious franchise person. I've seen every single one of them, I don't know how many times, 50 times each maybe. It's the only thing I watch other than the NBA. I'm so here for Hobbs and Shaw. Miles and Andrew, please bring me with you when you go to the screener. So check out that piece as well. Lots of stuff happening later on in the program. We'll talk about Anthony Davis with our resident New Orleans correspondent, Micah Peters, and also Zan Cram will be here to talk about Anthony Davis. He wrote a very interesting piece about the way that the Pelicans squandered AD. But first, we've got so many other things to talk about. And for that, we need somebody who's versatile. Let's bring him in. All right, joining me on the other line, he's a staff writer, and you can hear him every Friday as one-third of the Corner Three. It's Jonathan Charks. What's up, Charks? 
Well, a lot of basketball's happening. Rodney Hood's been traded, so you know things are getting pretty serious. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna play the hits here, but we should start with this trade. The Blazers acquired Rodney Hood in exchange for uh, Sauce Castillo, Wade Baldwin, two second round picks. Somehow, I, we don't have to spend a lot of time on this. Somehow, Rodney Hood is still relevant and was like much sought after because there aren't any wings in the NBA that you can go out and get, and he was one of them, and the Blazers got him. Yeah, I mean he's tall, he's athletic. He can shoot. That's pretty much the extent of his skills, but that'll keep you employed, apparently. Does this move the needle for the Blazers? I think it helps them. I mean, so I will say this. I was really excited for Rodney Hood to Cleveland last year, so I've been burned real bad Rodney Hood. I'm not going to get too excited this time. I do think he's up with Sauce Castillo, though. So Yeah, he's definitely an upgrade over Nick, but I'm with you. I have long been a Rodney Hood truther, believer, whatever you want to call it, and uh, hasn't worked out so far. Yeah, I mean, he really, really put himself in a tough spot after what happened last year. Yeah. So, I mean, I think this year in Portland, they don't have much else going on. So I think this should, I mean, it gives them more bench scoring. That, that should help them somewhat. Yeah, Godspeed to both Rodney Hood and the Blazers. That's enough Rodney Hood talk. All right, there's a lot of other very interesting things happening in the NBA. We're going to do something, and Isaac, as the resident heat check historian, mm-hmm. tell me if this is true. We have never on the show talked about the Lakers. No, not once. For the first time ever on Heat Check, we were going to talk about the Lakers. Uh, a lot of stuff happening it's here. It's unprecedented. It's unprecedented. It's never happened before. You'd think they're a big team in a big market. You'd think yeah. we would have talked about them by now. A lot of things happening for them. We'll start with Riley McAtee, who is uh, really enjoying himself lately. He tweeted out yesterday, it's February 3rd and the Kings have a better record than the Lakers, which is true. They lost to the Warriors without LeBron because LeBron was uh, load managing, is what he said, which fucking fantastic. Things not going well, Sharks, in L.A. Apparently, there was a post-game locker room dust-up between Luke Walton and some of his players. According to Shams, he tweeted out that uh, Luke Walton preached to players on playing unselfishly, sources said, which caused several veteran players to snap back at him. And one source described it as a heated scene. It was an emotionally charged verbal exchange with Luke Walton that stopped short of being physical. The veteran players were apparently Beasley, Lance, and JaVale McGee. Wow, it's going great. I mean, who could have predicted you'd find a bunch of guys known for uh, being erratic? You give them one-year contracts, and then you dangle them in trade offers for weeks? <laughs> who knew that would have blown up in their faces? It's hard to predict. It's not going great for Luke. It's been a tough year for him. Apparently, the veteran players raised their voice on topics of Walton's playing time, his rotations, how he's handling them. The hope afterward among players and coaches was that this helped cleanse issues with the team. I don't think so. I don't think so because this goes back to, we've been hearing rumblings all year long that Luke was in trouble. And it was only like a week ago, Sharks, that Jackie McMullen from ESPN was on Windhorse's pod and said that there was a lot of tension in the building. And then it was clear to her after talking to people in LeBron's camp that they wanted a coaching change and that they were, quote, not too subtle about it. So, I don't know. I mean, should they make a change? Is this fair to hang this on Luke? I mean, if LeBron doesn't like him, they have to do something, right? What LeBron says goes, as always. But, I mean, like, realistically, when you sign veteran guys and they have high opinions of themselves and they're on one-year contracts and they're not that good, it's a tough conversation for any coach because, you know, Luke's trying to win games, too, and he can't keep these guys happy. So what is he going to do? I don't know. 
That's what I'm saying. Like, one, he didn't ask for all these injuries, right? It's not his fault that these guys were out for so long, so many of them, and that one of them was LeBron James, and that just after returning, all of a sudden, he's decided that he can't play again because of, again, quote, load management. And he didn't sign all these people either. Like, Magic Johnson went out and signed a bunch of hand grenades, then pulled the pins and said, here, hold these, Luke Walton. And now that they're exploding, he's blaming Luke Walton. Well, I will say this, though. Like, the Lakers will be fine without Luke Walton, too. Yeah. Not like he's some, like, great future stark. Maybe he is, but if they spend too long with this offseason and LeBron's healthy, they'll be fine. It isn't like Luke, you know, it's like some essential part of their formula or anything like that. No, no, I, I agree with you. I think like if they change out the coach, that's fine. I just think like we should point out the fact here that if I was if I was Luke Walton, I'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? Like I didn't do any of this anyway. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on with the Lakers up to and including the fact that their roster that right now is not getting along so great might be overhauled at the trade deadline. The LA Times is reporting that the latest offer for Anthony Davis Charks is Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Ivaka Zubac, and a first round pick. And uh, the LA Times is reporting that the Pelicans are expected to counter and ask for two first-round picks. Uh, what do we think of that deal? Should the Pelicans make it? Should the Lakers make it? Is it a good idea for either side? I mean, I think for sure if you're the Lakers, you have to make it. They don't really have any plan Bs at this point. I think if you're in New Orleans, you know you have them in your back pocket. And I think if you're in New Orleans, you have to shot that offer around to those out there around the league. I think they've been counting on Boston. But as we know now, Boston's offer might not be there this summer. Yeah. Part of me thinks like that deal will still be there in the summer and maybe the Pelicans should wait. But at the same time, like I'm not sure that that like cache of picks that the Celtics have is as good as everybody believes it to be. I mentioned this on the pod last week. And that's a lot of young talent to get back for a guy who doesn't want to play for you. Like I, and if you're another team and you keep hearing over and over and over again that if you go and trade for Anthony Davis, he's just going to be a rental player and he's going to walk. And I know that we've got the Paul George situation. Everybody likes to bring that up. But like this is a lot of talking about he doesn't want to be anywhere but L.A. I would be really hesitant to trade for him and think that I could just convince him to stay. This is not a bad offer from the Lakers. So here's my thing, though. Like, yeah, he wants to go to L.A., but he can't go to L.A. this summer. So like if you have to make him wait till 2020... How do we know LA, how Chicago is going to be at that point? Yeah. LeBron's a year older, more injuries possibly. And the other thing too is like, if they're waiting for Anthony Davis for another year and a half, like that's going to be a very, very unstable situation. So just like being in Dallas, like I got to see this firsthand for like six years now, the Mavs would always sign guys to one year deals and be like, okay, you're getting cap space next summer. Yeah. But the problem with doing that is like the guys know they're one year deals. They're not going to play as a team playing for new contracts. Like, there's a lot of tension constantly about the team. There's no stability or continuity. And then, like, let's say wait for days for two years. Well, if they make the playoffs and lose in the first round for two straight years and LeBron's old, how intentional is that really for Anthony Davis? I don't know. But if I was a team, another team, I would think about that a lot. Yeah, that's a fair point. I still think that this is a an offer that the Pelicans have to really, really consider. I mean, if they can counter and get two first-round picks in addition to all that young talent that's still, all those guys are on their rookie contracts, super cheap deals. Ingram will be up for an extension soon. But what do you what do you think Ingram's worth is? Like, what's his value? I've been trying to figure this out. I've been asking different people. Kevin O'Connor is higher on him than I am. Like, I think he could be good. I really liked when they made him, like, point Ingram last year when Ball was out. But I, I, I don't think he's, like, as good a shooter as he probably should be. He's not as good a defender as he probably should be. He's a good, okay passer, but he's not as good at that as he should be. It's all about like forecasting what he might be one day, but right now, I don't know what to make of him. See, here's the thing about Ingram. Like, 
Ingram, I think we've seen, he kind of has to be the featured guy, right? He doesn't really shoot that well. He's not really an off-ball player. So if you trade for him, you're trading for him to be your primary piece. And we don't really know how good he can be at the primary piece. And you can't have that much confidence. Oh, man, I have Brandon Ingram. I have, like, my foundational piece for the next five or ten years. But you have to act like he is. So that's what's tough is, like, I'm not sure Ingram makes sense number two anywhere. He doesn't shoot the ball very much. Yeah. So then it's, it's really an unknown. It's just a gamble how much you believe in point Ingram. And to me, I think, depending on how aggressive other teams around the league want to be, I believe there are better offers for the Pelicans than Ingram, Alonzo, and picks that would not be that valuable. Yeah, you're right. The picks, depending on uh, how many they get back, I think it's probably not as good as the Celtics offer. But again, I'm, I'm still not as sold on like everybody just going, well, they've got those four picks, so it's it makes them like the front runner if the Pelicans just wait until July 1. Where are you, though, on Lonzo? Uh, again, sort of like a divisive figure around the ringer. I, I like Lonzo. I think Lonzo figured out, despite the shooting, despite the free throws, I think Lonzo's a solid starting point guard. He can play on or off the ball. I, I mean, to me, Ingram and Lonzo is a good package, but I'm doing like a piece right now on like, potential all-in teams for AD. And if I'm like the Raptors and I could throw in like Siakam, Ananobi, and Van Vliet, like I think that's a better package than the Lakers package. I love too that Lonzo's like, yeah, I don't want to go there. <laughs> like already, like already, he's like, I don't, I don't want to go to New Orleans. And the, I mean, like from everybody I've I've heard from, it's like you don't get a say in this. Like nobody's listening to what Lonzo Ball wants. But I love that he his people are out there uh, trying to maneuver already and get him rerouted to another team. What's your best bet on whether or not the Lakers are going to make the playoffs? Right now, according to five thirty eight, they've got a twenty six percent chance to make it. According to ESPN's predictive model, they've got a fifteen point six percent chance to make it. Wow, that's low. It's pretty low. Both sites have them. Finished Finishing at 500. Um, my thing is, how do you calculate for LeBron? Like, if he's going to play, it's hard for me to imagine them missing the playoffs. Yeah, and I mean, you look at the West standings. You look at Isaac's beloved Clippers falling off pretty fast. Yeah. So I think LeBron can get him into eight at the very least. I mean, one of LeBron stays healthy. That's really the question at this point. It's like because you know, groins can get re-injured pretty easily. As we record this, uh, they are a game and a half behind the Clippers. And a half came behind uh, Riley McAtee's Sacramento Kings. I'm with you. I, I still think, like, if you're LeBron and you're playing, you're going to make the playoffs. That's, like, a pretty easy calculation for me. Well, it's interesting because, like, let's say the Nuggets are the one. If you're LeBron, you're thinking, man, I get into the playoffs, the Nuggets are the one seed. Maybe we can make something happen, whatever. But if the Warriors are the one seed, it's like, man, I'm getting the playoffs to get freaking smoked in four games. That's pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. All right, so the, lots of stuff happening with the Lakers we mentioned. And Isaac, uh, as our resident Heat Check historian, mm -hmm. confirm this for me. I don't think we've ever talked about the Celtics on Heat Check before. The, the so what? It's never happened. The Celtics? The Celtics. We're going to talk about the Boston Celtics, do we, too. Do we talk about the Celtics on the ringer? The first in ringer history. Nobody's ever done it here. We mentioned that the Celtics are also obviously very interested in Anthony Davis. But before we get for, to that, Kyrie Irving is out there making a lot of noise charks uh, over the weekend. This is a guy who, let's remind everybody, that Kyrie Irving at the beginning of the season said, if you guys will have me back, talking about the Celtics, I plan on resigning here. He had a commercial that said basically he wanted to have his jersey retired in Boston. So then he was asked, hey, what's your feeling about free agency? And he told reporters, ask me again July 1. Then he said he was going to do what's best for his career. And then, and this is my favorite part, he said, when I asked about like, 
you know, well, don't you kind of owe something to the Celtics? He said, I don't owe anyone shit. The Knicks fans were chanting, we want Kyrie. <laughs> Nets fans were previously chanting that Kyrie was leaving. And he was asked after the, the Knicks game about like people chanting, we want Kyrie. And he said that the Celtics have to ignore all the distractions. And I'm like, yo guy, you're the distraction. <laughs> it's really amazing. I cannot stress how much I've enjoyed the Kyrie Irving leadership experience. Like just every part about it. It's like he's discovering for the first time that, oh, I can't just call young guys constantly in the media. It's like he's learning these things like no one's ever told before. Oh, if I speculate about free agency, I'm going to see people ask questions about it in the locker room. It's just fantastic. I have uh, mentioned this on Heat Check quite a bit. I want him to never stop talking. I want him to talk all the time. Forever. I think that's your will on your way to have that happen, John. I don't see him not talking. <laughs> it's really great. And like he's he's he has become Kyrie Irving's become like one of my favorite players in the NBA. He's obviously reaching his prime right now. He's an incredibly talented player. He's a lot of fun to watch. Also, he's not on a team I care about. And so every time he opens his mouth, I just like I grab some popcorn, I put my feet up, and I'm like, this is fucking excellent. And I hope it continues in perpetuity. But I think probably the Celtics and their fans probably aren't as thrilled about it. He's now starting to like hint that maybe he could leave. Is that maybe better for them in the long run? Because this probably isn't ideal the way it's happening for the Celtics right now. I mean, I think if Anthony Davis wasn't out there, like they could probably survive not having Kyrie. They have enough pieces. It's just like Kyrie was always the piece to make Davis come, right? Right. And so if Kyrie's not committed, then Davis looking at it like, oh, you know, Tatum, Brown, Rozier, Old Horford, you know, injured Hayward. Is he interested? That's the thing. Is like Kyrie, what did he can, what he can turn that into? I think Kyrie by himself, whatever. But without Kyrie, there's no Davis. Without Davis. What's been happening the last five years in Boston? Like, it's all kind of falling apart the whole plan. I'm just asking you this as a hypothetical. It's obviously not something the Celtics are considering, but if you're Danny Ainge and you're dealing with all this shit and the trade deadline is approaching, would you consider moving him or would you just be like, no, we need him. We could still potentially pair him with AD and also he's good and will help us in the playoffs either way. I think it's just this Davis thing. It's like it's forcing everyone to go all in. Yeah. Like the, the upside of doing it means you really can't ignore it. But, like, the downside is also much, much higher. I think you just have to start praying, you know. I mean, there's really no other around it. They're kind of locked in, like everybody else in the league now. So I asked Kevin this last week, O'Connor. How do you feel about that cache of draft picks that the Celtics have? Because I think conventional wisdom is that that puts them in the driver's seat if the Pelicans wait until July 1 because they've got these four picks that Danny could reroute take players and then send them off to the Pelicans. But the Sacramento pick isn't probably going to be as attractive as previously anticipated. They've got the Clippers pick. Eh. They've got their pick. That's not going to be good. The Memphis one is really the only one that's it's like... the Grizzlies one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. That's what I'm saying. Like, is the Grizzlies pick and, and Tatum like enough to blow their socks off? Well, I think like what Memphis does becomes super important for Boston now. Because I, I seems like Memphis would want to get off that pick this year. It's top eight protected. And if it's like a number 10 pick in this draft, it's not that valuable. But if Memphis keeps their pick, they're starting a rebuild, all of a sudden that like could be a number one pick in the draft in two years. That's like a one crowd jewel left. And we'll see how valuable it is in two months. But I, I also wonder and hesitate and worry again about like how much... I think you're right. You, you do have to go all in and take your shot to get Anthony Davis if you can get Anthony Davis. But like all the signaling... He, 
that his camp is done. And then like his dad coming out and saying, I would never want my son to play for Boston after what they do, they done to Isaiah Thomas, no loyalty guy gives his heart and soul and they traded him. Anyone can print that. I love that. He said anyone can print that by the way. Um, I just like, I, it just feels like he doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to be anywhere but LA. And I, I just be really worried about like, you've got all these picks. You've got this young guy in Jason Tatum who's going to be really good, who already is really good. Are you are you willing to forfeit all of that stuff on a hope and a prayer that he'll stick around? Well, to me, that's just posturing, right? Like, we know Davis wants to go to LA. He's signed the club sports. So, like, they're doing whatever they can to make that possible, which is, like, part of the game. So, I think you have to read that with, like, the t Like, if I want to get Davis to LA, what would I do? I would do all the things Clutch Sports has done, right? But once Davis is in Boston... LA is not, maybe not five on the table. The equation changes a bit. So to me, all this stuff is just posturing. It's really incredible. Like Rich Paul, Clutch Sports, and like the, the era of player power. Like how much this has been influenced by guys just being like, like Chris Stapps being like, yeah, you know what? I'll play on my qualifying offer if you don't move me. Or uh, Anthony Davis saying, I want out. Like I'm, I'm out of here. Or Kyrie like deciding, who knows? Maybe I don't owe you shit. Like it's really. I mean, that phone call. I wanted that LeBron and Kyrie phone call now so bad. I wanted. Like, there's so many things they could have talked about in that phone call. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we need, we need audio of that. Uh, speaking of player power, we've got more to discuss on that front. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's Heat Check is brought to you by Captera. Do you remember 1989? I do. Isaac does not. He wasn't born yet. It was the year the World Wide Web was invented. We've come a long way since then. So why does it feel like the software you use every day at work is stuck in the past? Take a leap into the future by finding the right software for your business on Captera.com, the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. With over 700,000 reviews of products from real software users, Captera has everything you need to make an informed decision. Search more than 700 specific categories of software from project management to email marketing. No matter what your business needs, Captera makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. Look, I have never run my own business. That's probably for the best. I'd run into the ground. But were I to run my own business, I would need help. And the first place I'd look, Captera because you need the right business software solutions. And they got it. Visit captera.com slash NBA for free today to find the right tools to make 2019 the year for your business. captera.com slash NBA. That's captera. It's spelled C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash NBA. And now back to Charks. All right. So we're talking about player power. Speaking of Kristaps Porzingis, who I don't think many people realized around the league was going to be available. Like he had made some noise about, hey, I might not sign my rookie extension, which nobody in the history of the league has ever done. And he was making some noise about, hey, I might play on a qualifying offer, which I think the last, who was the Greg Monroe did it, which is kind of crazy, but he's Greg Monroe. Nobody expected that Kristaps Porzingis would actually do that. And then all of a sudden, Kristaps Porzingis gets traded to your Dallas Mavericks Sharks. I will give you a, a name. Nerlens Noel did it. But that's the oh, kind of yeah. player who does that kind of thing, generally. It isn't a guy who could get a max offer. And, like, for the longest time, I've been wondering if a guy would do that, if like, someone would actually go ahead and pull a trigger and take him to qualifying offer. But a seven foot three guy coming off knee surgery who's been hurt all the time, it doesn't seem like he'd be the guy to do it. But apparently, he's played that card in the next body. I don't know. It was insane. I love that he threw some heat at the Knicks on the way out the door. He, he On his Instagram, he had, uh, the city deserves better than that. My suggestion for Knicks fans is to stay woke. 
all caps with exclamation points. I generally think like use either caps or exclamation points, but I guess extenuating circumstances. And then he said peace and he was on his way out the door. You wrote a piece about this saying that uh, Chris Stapps might have opened a Pandora's box in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, to me, if you look at, okay, I wonder if you look at what happened with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis. And I was like, man, why lock myself in a situation if I don't love it? If I'm getting my money either way. Because there's really no reason for these young players to take the money if they're confident in themselves. Like, why not give yourself more leverage, right? And I look at, like, with the Mavericks. I, I really wonder if the Mavericks, like, man, Doncic, whenever he's free, he doesn't need the money too much right away. If he do the same thing, like, maybe this is, like, the beginning of, like, even crazier player movement where guys after at year three are like, man, I'm not feeling it. Let's make me, make me move somewhere else. I don't know. I like the player movement. I like the fact that players are just like, man, you know what? I, I mean, want to. I want to add content, It does. No, we need the content. <laughs> that's the, that is a, a position that I've been staking out a corner that I've been on throughout my time at the Ringer. I just care about the content, and this is excellent content. Um, what did you think about the deal overall? When it first was reported, I was like, wow, this is horrendous. I can't believe they did that. Also, there were reports that like a lot of teams were super surprised that the Knicks were moving Kristaps Porzingis and didn't know that he was on the market. And this feels like a snap trade for them where they, like they didn't really ask around the league very much. But I do think like the picks that they got back, make it slightly better. Yeah. It just feels like a real classic Knicks Mavs trade. Like you have the Knicks like wildly overvaluing the free agency prospects. And I feel like something's done. Maybe it is, who knows, but wouldn't that be classic Knicks to think that it is done, but it actually isn't. Then you have the Mavs going all in, dumping all of their assets, and just hoping they can keep a guy long-term. It feels like both teams went, their upsides are really high from this trade, but their downsides are incredibly, incredibly low. So it should be fun to watch for the next few years. How do you feel about Dennis Smith Jr.? I mean, obviously you got to see him up close a lot in Dallas. I like him. I think he's like kind of a poor man's Russ. But I do, I do wonder like what if this means the end for Frank Nilakina. Like <laughs> That's it for him? Well, I mean, I don't think he, the next dude, him as a point guard, really. They've never really played him a point much. I think they, I mean, obviously that was a Phil Jackson move, but I think Frank probably is not a football player anyways. The thing about Dennis, the same thing with Brandon Ingram, like Dennis is a guy who kind of has to have the ball. Yeah. Dennis isn't happy in a smaller role. Dennis doesn't really make sense in a smaller role. And so that's like, man, if this guy's the guy, how much is this upside worth, right? If I'm going to spend three years developing Dennis Smith, what's the end result for? Is it worth, I, I had a guy tell me one time, I really like this one, I said, is the juice worth the squeeze? Like, I think Dennis would be a good player in the NBA. I could see him being a fringe all-star point guard. But if you commit to Dennis Smith, you're going to be bad for three or four years. And is it worth doing that to get a fringe all-star point guard? That's kind of the cost benefit for any, yeah. for any young point guard, really. He'll be fun to watch in the in the garden, though. I mean, like, uh, he'll put on a show. It's a bad team. But to your point about how, like, the Knicks are being super Knicks here, there was an expectation that Wes Matthews and DeAndre Jordan would be buyout candidates, but according to the New York Post, it's more likely that Ma- that they try to trade Wes Matthews before the deadline and that potentially they might keep DeAndre Jordan around. One, to have an influence on Mitchell Robinson, but two, because uh, he's real tight with KD and that could be something that they'd be like, hey, why don't you just come and hang out with your guy? Yeah, I think more the second one. It's I mean, amazing. The Knicks buying the veteran culture, I'm not buying that, but you know, Katie's friend thing makes a lot more sense. It's amazing. I, I, I fucking love the Knicks. Although, although I must call out what the Knicks did. Did you see what they did with uh, Stefan Bondi? The, oh yeah, they like, blackballed him from like the press conference, something like that. Yeah. So in this, I mean, pretty, pretty SOP for them, right? Yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. So for people who don't know, the Knicks are like 
notorious for the way that they treat the media and have been for a long time. And like lately, they've been trying to signal over the last year, no, 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 that was previous administrations. That was the old way of doing things. We're going to be the new Knicks and you're going to like the way we handle things and blah, blah, blah. Well, in December, they had the beat writers had a um, call with President Steve Mills and Bondi was excluded. Then after the KP trade, the beat writers had a conference call with Fizdale and GM Scott Perry and Bondi was excluded because he had written that Chris Tepp's Porzingis trade was a result of the Knicks' inability to squash the losing, the defunction, and the pettiness to which they replied by being petty. It's unbelievable. I mean, you can say, like, oh, we're a new, new Knicks all you want, but, right, the boss is still the boss. Until the boss changes, nothing's ever really going to change, It's right? so ridiculous. You, like, you're the Knicks. You're in the biggest market in the country. You're one of the, the hallmark franchises in the NBA. Like, act accordingly. If people are taking shots at you, that's part of the gig. And, like, just brush off your shoulders, man. Like, let it roll off your back. It's not a big deal. Like it, but when you it's do any season, it is when you do shit like this, it's, it's not a good look, bad look for the Knicks. All right. Before we get to the final team, I want to remind everybody about the NBA watch of the night. It's the bucks at the nets on NBA TV. D'Angelo Russell is an all-star placing Victor Oladipo. Were you surprised he got it over Jimmy? No, I mean, I don't think the coaches really wanted to reward Jimmy for yeah. what are, everything he's done all season. I think that was clearly a message. This is a question that, um, that I asked. Isaac, who said, absolutely. So let me ask you, did Magic and Palenka make a mistake with D'Angelo Russell? Was he there? Was he, is he better than any of the young guys that they currently still have? See, I don't know about that, but the thing that's interesting to me, if you look at it, like they cleared that cap space to trade Russell with Mozgov's contract, but I'm pretty sure they could have still signed LeBron. It was that extra cap space they used to sign Rondo, Lance, and JaVale. That was the cap space they opened up by moving Russell. So as it turns out, does that even really matter in the first place? Yeah. It kind of seems like no now. And then maybe Russell becomes a much better trade asset if he stays in LA. It's weird how all these things work out, but he's doing great in uh, Brooklyn and the Nets are better than anticipated. Check out Bucks and Nets on NBA TV, followed by Spurs and Kings. And remember, gang, if you want to watch every NBA game, subscribe to NBA League Pass on NBA.com, Amazon, or your local cable or satellite provider. All right, last one for you. Isaac Lee, mm. as our resident heat check historian. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we have never talked about the Philadelphia 76ers on this podcast. The one, two, three, four, five, six, seventy sixers. Never happened. No, never happened. First time for everything. Charks, the Sixers were in town last week in LA. So I went out and talked to them, and uh, the theme for them over the last year has been consistent. It remains consistent, and that is they need more. Brett Brown says that all the time. He said that last year before they traded for Jimmy Butler. Alton Brand said it before and after they traded for Jimmy Butler. Now they're saying it again. How do they go out and add at the de- at the deadline? I mean, it all comes back to faults, right? I mean, even without the money, he's the money that makes the trade possible, that $9 million. They have some picks. They have some of the young guys to make moves, but will they put faults on offers knowing there's not much of a return for them right now? That's what it comes down to to me, it seems like. I mean, something... It- if you could get anything for him, it's better than what you're getting from him right now, which is nothing. Like he just sits on the sideline every now and again. He pops up at a game, uh, you know, in, in street clothes, and like that's it. Like that's not helping you. I would take back literally anything, like any warm body that you could give me. Yeah, because to me, it's really about making sure you keep Jimmy, and maybe not even to keep him, but you want to sign him so you can trade him eventually, so you have more assets. I think they should consider, and I, and they won't. But I, I think that they should consider moving him at the deadline because there are there is serious concern with the Sixers that Jimmy Butler might walk in the offseason. 
That's entirely possible. And I know that like the spin there is, well, if he walks, they could free up potentially if they move faults as much as $50 million. And then all of a sudden you can go after a couple of free agents. But we saw what happened last offseason. Just because yeah. you have cap space does not mean that you're going to get these high profile top tier free agents. They couldn't even get a meeting with Paul George last year. They flew across. The, they were so thirsty. They flew across the country just to meet with Rich Paul. They couldn't even meet with LeBron. So like just because you have money doesn't mean you're going to be able to keep guys or get guys or sign guys. And if Jimmy walks this offseason, that's a disaster. I would move him now and get what you can for him. Oh, man, I like that take. Like, I've been looking at it. To me, if I was Jimmy, it's the Nets. The Nets got a good young team. All their pieces fit perfectly around him. They're on the spread, pick, and roll. He gets to be the man, the bad franchise, which is what he really wants, it seems like. It's just a much more smoother fit for Jimmy to be the best version of himself. And that's clearly what Jimmy is about, right? It's like maximizing his own potential. Yeah. So it would not surprise me at all if he left to go to Brooklyn in the offseason. And they're not going to do it, but it makes sense to me what you're talking about. Here's my working theory that I've been tinkering with a little bit. Same city as you just suggested, different team. What if KD and Kyrie pass and the Knicks have all that money and they're looking around <laughs> and Jimmy Butler is like, I'm out of Philly. I could go to New York. I could have my own team in the spotlight. And they're like, fuck it. We got all this money. Let's just give some to Jimmy. That would be my ideal scenario. Oh, man. If they dump Chris Stapps to sign Jimmy Butler, that would just be... <laughs> very Everything nice. about that would be incredible. It would be very nice. All right. You're going off to the uh, Chris Stapps press conference in Dallas. You can hear Charks every Friday on Corner 3. He's got stories up on the ringer all the time. Charks, Godspeed, my friend. All right, y'all. Have a fun couple pre deadline days. Yeah, man. All right, that was Jonathan Charks. Before we bring in Mike Peters and Zach Cram, a quick word from our sponsors. Today's Heat Check is brought to you by Hotel Tonight. The winter is a great time to check out Hotel Tonight, whether you want to take a spontaneous ski trip or escape to a warm beach. Hotel Tonight makes it easy to book a room with one of their last-minute deals. I just did this. They're really, it's a fantastic app. I've used it a bunch. They're always here to the rescue. There are tons of empty hotel rooms out there just waiting to be booked, and that's how Hotel Tonight scores such incredible rates. They team up with awesome hotels to help them sell those rooms, and they pass the savings along to you. And these aren't last-resort-type places. Hotel Tonight works with cool, top-rated hotels that you actually want to stay at. And unlike other travel companies, you don't have to scroll through these endless lists of hotels. Hotel Tonight shows you the best deals at great hotels, along with short profiles that have pictures and all the info you need. And even though their name is Hotel Tonight, they're not just for last-minute bookings. You can play things by ear, or you can use Hotel Tonight to book in advance. And when you join Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, better the deals get. To start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels, go to hoteltonight.com or download the app now. Today's Heat Check is also brought to you by Brilliant Earth. Create your own custom engagement ring from a variety of ethically sourced diamonds, gemstones, metal types, and settings, all at brilliantearth.com. Brilliant Earth offers customers engagement rings, wedding rings, vintage rings, as well as earrings, bracelets, necklaces, with exclusive unique designs you can't find anywhere else. Their master jewelers bring to life designs from award-winning designers with exceptional quality and craftsmanship. Brilliant Earth is the global leader in ethically sourced fine jewelry. They go above and beyond the current industry standards to offer beyond conflict-free diamonds along with fine jewelry crafted from recycled precious metals. Brilliant Earth also donates 5% of profits to help build a brighter future in communities impacted by the jewelry industry to ensure a stress-free purchasing experience 
Brilliant Earth offers free shipping and returns on all U.S. orders, as well as flexible payment options. Just in time for Valentine's Day, if you purchase an engagement ring, you will also receive a complimentary pair of their gorgeous diamond stud earrings to see terms for this special offer and to shop all of Brilliant Earth's selections, just go to brilliantearth.com slash ringernba. That's brilliantearth.com slash ringernba. And now, back to Heat Check. Boom, shakalaka! He's heating up! He's on fire! All right, joining me in the studio, the host of On Shuffle. He just wrote a piece about uh, Maroon 5 Super Bowl halftime show was deeply whatever. Love the title. It's Michael Peters. And joining me on the other line from MLB Show and Binge Mode, it's Zach Cram. What's up, guys? Hello. What's going down? So I brought you in because Micah, is, well, at first, the, the Super Bowl piece was excellent. I mean, that pretty much summed up everything. Uh, yeah. I, it, the Maroon 5 halftime show was very slapdash. I mean, like the whole thing is just... Like I said, it was deeply whatever. I mean, he, he kind of like, Adam Levine was like performing like somebody who's the check had already cleared before he went on stage. <laughs> Why? He ripped off his shirt at one point. I'm like, what, Listen, well, who needs this? Who was asking for any of this? I think that the best part about the whole thing behind Travis Scott's entrance was probably his California belly tat. Which yeah. I was just like, this is squarely on the nose. <laughs> when Anthony Davis gets traded, is he going to get a California belly tat? Like, I love I, that you're I know that you're, you're only saying that because you're not in this room with me. Like, that's, <laughs> that's an excellent transition. Cram, you should host this podcast. So how are you feeling? Let's start before we get into Cram's piece, which was excellent. And I, I, I'm going to guess that Micah had quite a few takes on his piece. But I just want to, from a very like personal standpoint, I like you. I, 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 I want to know how you're... I, <laughs> I don't know. know. How, it doesn't feel like it How sometimes. are you feeling? So I was trying to explain this to Chris the other day. It's like a weird feeling of resignation because, I mean, Chris Paul left after six years. Anthony Davis is leaving after seven. If you mm-hmm. if you give up five years of your prime and nothing is materially changing, on a, like on a fundamental level, I understand wanting to move on. And still, yeah. <laughs> it hurts. I mean, you mentioned like, the Chris Paul part. That's what I'm saying. Like, in a way, wasn't this kind of inevitable? Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's when you play for a franchise that makes a bunch of later-for-now moves and, like, not a lot of them come off and you're looking around and, you know, like, Miritich is injured and not hitting threes anymore, then you have, like, Solomon Hill is the next one up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, there's not... I get it. I understand. So I, I have talked uh, quite a few times on this show that I don't understand how they didn't put a better team around Anthony Davis, and I couldn't quite figure it out. And then, of course, Cram, much smarter than me, figured out a way to like explain this to everybody and wrote a piece, is Anthony Davis the most squandered superstar in NBA history? And Cram, you went through and found a bunch of other players like Anthony Davis who were really good, and their teams never got the most out of them. Yeah, so I think the first... I guess in most basic way to look at it is if you go back to 2012, New Orleans wins the draft lottery. It's a huge deal because they get Anthony Davis, the number two pick who goes to Charlotte, which had just, I think, finished seven and 59, one of the worst teams ever. They get Michael Kidd Girlchrist. It's hard to think of a bigger <laughs> disparity between number one and two picks. Right. But Ugh. since that day, New Orleans ranks 21st in the NBA and wins and Charlotte ranks 20th. So they ended up basically in the same spot. And I looked at uh, Davis as one of 69 players in NBA history to make multiple first-team All-NBAs with the same team. I sort of use that as 
the benchmark for, all right, like a mega super superstar. And among those 69 players, like Davis, I think his time in New Orleans ranks 66th in winning percentage. You have to go back 30 years or more to find any comparable superstar whose team never experienced the kind of success that New Orleans similarly hasn't experienced with Davis. So we're doing a podcast, uh, as everybody who's listening knows, but I'll just, I'm going to do a little color here, a little scene. Uh, Micah during that both rolled his eyes, furrowed his brow, and now is like, and now is like massaging his temple. Uh, it's going great over here. He's going to be fine, guys. Um, some of the people that are on this list that Cram found to make misery and company, right? People are miserable. They like company. Uh, Pete Maravich with the Jazz, Bernard King, Tiny Archibald, and then Anthony Davis. Yeah. Yeah. And like, Pete Maravich with the Jazz, they were an expansion team. And Tiny Archibald with the Kings, they moved from Cincinnati to Omaha to Kansas City just in the time he was there. So I guess the fact that New Orleans has stayed in New Orleans is a positive compared to those peers. But that probably isn't like that's a a pretty low benchmark for getting maybe the best draft prospect since LeBron is just staying in the same city. Just to throw my hat into the misery ring, Allen Iverson is also on this list. <laughs> Although I feel like that's kind of strange because I enjoyed watching him. They overachieved with that team that lost to the Lakers. I was fine with the Allen Iverson era. I don't think that you feel fine with the Anthony Davis era, though. Well, I mean, like the Allen Iverson era, that team was kind of built specifically to respond to him mm-hmm. in, a, in a strange way. I mean, like you had... Who taught playing center? Like uh, uh, Dikembe Mutombo. It was they traded for him. They they initially they tra- had they, Theo they initially Ratliff. had Theo Ratliff, right. and they traded for Dikembe Mutombo. Yeah. You also had Chris. I mean, like it was just basically you had all the people that were there to just collect the ball and yeah. recycle it for yeah. for Allen Iverson. The thing is that like they didn't have like a system that felt like it was clicking until like the second half of last of season. last year when yeah. Boogie went down exactly. and it just all of a sudden like. Yeah. out of nowhere felt like, oh, they finally stumbled oh, onto this, it. this is a thing that works. Like, so, so in addition to, and this is for you know bo- both of you, both on the podcast, but in addition to us saying like, okay, they never quite put a team around him and it didn't quite make sense. Do we feel like, like, I love Anthony Davis and he fucking loads the box score every time he plays, right? Like his stat lines are always mm-hmm. off the charts. But do we feel like he was, like what's his culpability on, in terms of like him making his teammates better and him making that team better? I don't know. I I feel like that question is always it's like hard. super loaded. Sure, there should be in effect some sort of culpability for for a superstar that fails to you know like bring his team up with him or whatever. But I, like that's extremely romantic way to think about it. Sure, he missed <laughs> games here and there for for like regular wear and tear shit. Right. But I mean. I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what more I could ask for somebody that was if you weren't looking was gonna put up a fifty point triple double. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Like how much more could you possibly ask him to do and like why is it his fault that it doesn't translate to wins and losses? Cram, where are you on it? Well, I think if you just look at his pure like on or off court for like the last five seasons, the Pelicans have been ten points per hundred possessions worse when Davis is off the court. They've been just when he's on the court, one of the best teams in the NBA, but they just completely crater every single season when he's off this season, obviously being no exception. I think your Allen Iverson point is a shrewd one because while Iverson also didn't experience that much regular season success, he was also making the playoffs and he had that one 
like legendary step over moment and that one playoff run that Sixers fans will remember. Yeah. You know, we're two decades past at this point. Anthony Davis is the peak of his Pelicans career, if he ends up being traded, is a first round win. And sure, it's kind of not fair that he ran into the Warriors both times he made the playoffs. He's second all time in points per game in the playoffs, but he doesn't have those moments either that like Micah's going to take with him for the next 10 years. Except for when he <laughs> killed Yusuf Nurkic and, and yes, then, like, him and Drew Holiday stared Nurkic down. That was great. I'm going to remember that for a while. They did do that. And that was a nice little memento. Uh, you mentioned Drew, like when the Sixers traded him, that started off the process. Mm-hmm. I was all about it. It made sense to me. I thought it was great for the Sixers. But I also thought pairing him with Anthony Davis would be killer. I was, oh, this is great. Drew Holiday is an way underrated NBA player. He's an excellent defender. He's got a big body. He can do a lot of things on the court. Like, why aren't those two together, point and big man, like those are the two pillars of nba How did those two not just be good together? It's hard for me to understand this. <sighs> It's, I mean, like, listen, if I had the answer, (laughs) 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 but I mean, yeah, I'd like, it's, it seems like you have a point guard that's six, five and can basically defend four positions. You have like a big man that is literally a pterodactyl. If you toss it up anywhere in the, in the arena, he's going to catch it. It should be a thing. That's like a one, two punch. This should just be a thing that works, but it doesn't because there's still only two players. Yeah. Yeah. It seems kind of wizardy. Like John Wall didn't make this list I looked at because he hasn't made multiple right. first team all NBAs. But over the last half decade, the Wizards seemingly don't have like a long term plan. They just go, all right, what do we need to have a short term fix right now? And then they stumble for a bit and then, okay, what's the next short term fix we need to do? That's kind of what Dell Demps and the Pelicans have done over the last few seasons without sort of a long term plan for contention. And it left them increasingly short-sighted. Dell Demps is uh, Bayou Ernie Grunfeld. They're the same dude. I, I, nobody's ever seen them in the same place at the same time. I, I love that David Stern was throw, came out of nowhere throwing bows at, at uh, poor Dell Demps. But so let's help Dell Demps here. Before I go to Mike, I'll start with Cram. Should they move Anthony Davis before the deadline? Unless they get like really bowled over by a Lakers offer, I don't think so for two reasons. One that they can't really get a Celtics offer until the summer. So if you think that might be the best offer, then you hold off. And number two is, if you're interested in getting a 2019 lottery selection, wouldn't it be better to see where that ping pong ball actually falls if, say, the Knicks try to trade some of the assets they got from Porzingis for Anthony Davis? You want to wait and make sure that's actually the number one or number two pick when it could fall at a number five. Micah, is Ball, Ingram, Kuzma... Zubach and at least one, if not two, first round picks enough for you to do it. Do you like that idea? That might not even be enough for Drew Holiday, to be honest. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, but it's they've already the Pelicans have already refused the Lakers' first offer. They yeah. want two first round picks. I think. Yeah. If they like, if they get that second pick, would you then do that deal? <sighs> it's a lot. It is a lot. It is a lot, but it still doesn't feel like it's enough. I don't know. I like, like the thing what's is, enough like, honestly, for Anthony Davis. It's real. You're never going to really, get commensurate you're value. You're never going to get commensurate value. Yeah. But um, I mean, sure, it still feels like waiting until July is when like the best packages are going to be on the table. Mm-hmm. I think that it doesn't make any logical sense to trade him before the deadline. I mentioned this to Charks earlier. That's a lot to offer, and I and I just like I worry that if I'm another team and I keep hearing over and over and over again 
that Anthony Davis doesn't want to go anywhere, and especially not Boston, and his dad's out there going, anyone can print that. Mm -hmm. Like, why am I giving up so much for a dude who's going to walk on me? Like, Can I just say something about the the loyalty thing? Absolutely. It's not a thing that like okay. First of all, I'm thing. like I am I am right there with you as that was fucked up trading Isaiah Thomas like after he played through grief and injury in the 2016 playoffs for you, played two days after his sister died. But at the same time, I appreciate that basketball is a business, and trading Isaiah Thomas for Kyrie Irving is a thing that makes sense cool, completely. But at the same time. The Celtics are like the best team built for Anthony Davis to join and immediately contend for a title. Like, yeah. so the math isn't really mathing because if it was, <laughs> I mean, he wants to be like, forget about the like the explanation and like the dad jumping in and the whole bit. He wants to be in LA. I like LA. I, I live mean, in like, LA. L- listen, I get it. LA is 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 like way more fire than Boston. Yes, <laughs> every day. Absolutely. I, listen, I've lived in both cities. As have I. I like Boston fine. It's cold as hell there. You don't see the sun for like 10 and a half months. And then like the sun comes out for a day and everybody loses their shit. And then it goes away again and everybody's a miserable hermit. No, thank you. Of course you want to be in LA. If they don't make this move though, it presents the Pelicans with some problems, right? Because Mm -hmm. they they yanked his ass out of that video and he doesn't want to be there. So Cram, if they don't make this move and you've got... Like an obviously not content, not happy Anthony Davis, who you also want to keep healthy. Do you shut him down for the rest of the year? Well, first to answer your other question about why would a team maybe try for Davis? The answer is because you get to have Anthony Davis on your team. Like the Thunder made a gamble by trading for Paul George before his free agency when everyone thought he was going to go to LA and he ended up re-signing the same thing could happen with Kawhi Leonard in Toronto I know that everybody Uh, keeps bringing up the Paul George thing I'm interested to see what happens with Kawhi because I still think that there is a better than 50-50 shot that he walks I think Paul George is the anomaly I don't think that that's like, oh, well, Paul George decided to stay in OKC, so nobody's ever going to walk on somebody. Yo, I don't understand. Like, it's like it, we're a year later after that four-year extension. It still doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> that like, too. I, like, it's honestly like he was just like, yo, I just wanted somebody to dap me up and go fishing with me, and that was enough. <laughs> Nas like, is coming. Let's just have a party. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I, I don't get it. Cram, tell me whether they should shut him down, though. I don't think they should shut him down, but I also think this gets at kind of what we're talking about, about the domino of moves. Like, if they do end up trading Anthony Davis, you probably want to trade Holiday too. You probably want to trade Miritich and just completely tear down. So it's just the first in a series of moves. And I think that entire set has to be considered before you rush in with this with what would be the like defining moment of the franchise that would set them up for the next five years. Yeah, I think I think you're right. If if you're going to you know that you're going to have to move AD eventually if it's not at this deadline you're going to move him in the offseason most likely. Mm-hmm. And at which point that leads to other dominoes of of tearing it down. But according to most of the reports, they're not looking to move Drew right now. So, I don't know what they're doing. And this brings me to my next point. The way the Pelicans have been run. That's <laughs> got to make you like Forget about all this other stuff about Anthony Davis wanting out and he tried it and whatever. They're just like a poorly run franchise for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And for a while. Yes. Yes. I mean, like, were you were you expecting me to add to that? No, I like I one hundred percent agree with you. It's just such a weird thing with like Mickey Loomis, like kind of being involved with the Saints, and now you've got Gail Benson. Like, 
taking over for her now dead husband and like kind of maybe being interested in the Pelicans, but does it like, really they, appear they were so? They kind of run like a sideshow and have still been kind of, they've been run slightly less like a sideshow since she took over. I but guess. Like, I, it's, I mean. So this is a, this is a obviously loaded question for you because you're from New Orleans and like you like the Pelicans. And from Baton Rouge, but I, like, yeah. No, you're, you're from the, the area. That's your team. Yeah, they're an hour for it. Ish. Right. <laughs> um, but would you be broken up if they moved? Because it feels like if, if AD moves and they unload everybody, that this could be a move candidate. Long pregnant pause. While he's considering, uh, <laughs> Cram, would you want to see them move? I'm always sad to see a team move. I, I would that prefer, yeah. yeah, I'd prefer the league to like expand to 32 teams before anyone moves. Just because like, I mean, we're what, 11 years since the Sonics moved. And that's still like a sad situation when you like praise the thunder on Twitter. You'll get people in your mentions being like, oh, we, you know, they could have been doing this in Seattle. Yeah. And I mean, that's the most recent one. So we're kind of like overdue if you look at this thing historically, but I would certainly prefer that not to happen. If they did move, I would want them to land in Seattle. But yeah, expansion would be better. Here's the, New Orleans is an awesome city. Like, why is it that players wouldn't want to be in New Orleans and be like, oh shit, I could live in New Orleans and like play for this basketball team that, you know, in a, in a town because where there's only two things happening. Being, despite it being a city where only three things are happening because people are watching football, basketball, or drinking. Okay, fine. But the third the, one is important. You know what? There's a lot of... It's a, it's a <laughs> wonderful, amazing, <laughs> disgusting, beautiful place. Yes. And so people saying. should want to be there, yes. but still, it's a small market team. Like, there's, it's not like a. But if you were going to be in a small market, it's not fucking Milwaukee or, or Oklahoma City. And I and I can hear my mentions exploding right now because I I just dragged those two towns. But like, yeah, Orleans is way better than those places. <laughs> it is like it it is, but I I like I cannot explain it to you because it's like if your team is run very unseriously, yeah. <laughs> like I, it's, it's tough. Yeah, you know, it's tough. All right, give me your best bet here. Uh, I asked you if you if you would move them, but best bet before I let you guys go, after the deadline on Thursday, where's Anthony Davis? Still in New Orleans. Still in New Orleans. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I really want him to come to L.A., though. I really <laughs> want to see him and LeBron in L.A. We're here. I want it to happen. Uh, Cram, what do you got working on? Uh, what are you working on? Anything good? Uh, yeah, later this week, I'll have something about the value of future first-round picks like what the Knicks got for Porzingis, like the Pelicans might get for Davis, and how it's not uh, what you might expect it to be. Excellent. Uh, Micah, you want to plug anything else? Are you going to kill any other halftime acts? Or? I don't know if I'm going to kill the other halftime acts in the near future, but I am going to see that new Netflix movie that the that was shot on iPhone, the the, the bird rights one. What is it What is it called again? I have no idea Hold what on, you're talking high about. Flying bird. High Flying Bird. High Here's flying what bird. happens during the NBA season. Everything else that happens in the world is like I, I'm like the, the horse with the blinders on, and the only time I learn about it is in in our Slack. Yeah, yeah. Luckily, it's, I have you guys to tell me about what's happening in the world. Yeah, you know what, Don's, I'm here for you. You always you know, are. Just, I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, best wishes to you and all of New Orleans, Cram. Uh, I hope you stay warm in Chicago. You probably had to thaw out everything before you got on the podcast. Oh, but, I forgot about yeah, he's in that, Chicago, man. dude. Oh. Are you okay? <laughs> How are you faring out there? My car battery is currently dead and my car is unable to move. So that's fun. I'm trapped in here with you all. Stay inside. Stay warm. Uh, Micah Prayers and up. Kramer. Thanks, man. 
All right, that was Micah and Zach. Thanks to them. Thanks to Charks. Thanks to Isaac. I want to remind everybody to please rate and review us on Apple. And don't forget, you can catch the mismatch on Tuesday. Group chat on Thursday. Corner three on Friday. And we will be back next week with Heat Check on Monday. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye.